The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the Pokemon Snapshot. Hi Josh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm... Most of the other episodes have been better. There's a... There's an elephant in the room. Or in the Skype chat, I guess. That, that is rude, calling him an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> I know I wouldn't be working at Hollister, Josh, but I don't think it's quite, like, that big. <laughs> It wasn't. It's not about the size. It's just that it just means there's something we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely true. Yes. And, so, for, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, and for those of you who have come on within the last year and don't recognize this voice, we do have our special guest, and our special guest is the one and only Tyler, who started this podcast with me almost three years ago. I was the original co-host and a true gem to the show. Actually, and uh, let me rephrase that. Two years ago, I did my math wrong. Yeah, it was two years ago, but I only left a year ago. Well, you being the original, uh, one of the original hosts means that you're basically the Pete Best of the podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Pete Best was the original drummer of the Beatles, who kind of sucked and got kicked out of the band right before they, uh, uh, right before they got famous when he was replaced by uh, Ringo Starr. But I think it's fair to point out that a lot of people still didn't like Ringo Starr. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm uh, the greatest drummer in the world. I'm just saying I'm at least good enough to be the drummer in the Beatles. There you go. That works. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I could not miss this movie. <laughs> we're we're joking, everyone. Tyler's a great guy. I've met I met Tyler at Jeff's wedding. It's a, it, that's just a yeah. Bit. You got to you got I'm, to see my legendary best man speech where I talked about myself for 15 minutes. I know I'm having to write a best man speech uh, for this upcoming Saturday, and I'm gonna steal parts of your speech. So okay, good. Your legacy lives on. Yep, yep. Uh, for yeah, I don't know if we've ever referenced it on the show, but I was one of the best men at Jeff's wedding, and my speech uh, basically just started off with me making fun of Jeff and then saying I was gonna talk about myself. <laughs> it was it was actually very well done, and the way he brought it back around uh, to be about Jeff was masterfully done yes uh i was also the best man in tyler's wedding and i made tyler's wife sign a contract to say tyler was no longer my uh business and not business what's the word i was no longer your problem no longer my problem <laughs> that's the word and actually i had to reference that on one of her facebook posts the other day because she was complaining about you and i said hey you signed the contract <laughs> she knew what she was getting into <laughs> yep all right so I hope you're all excited to have Tyler back. So how have you guys been doing? I mean, what have you been doing lately? Well, for me, I've been just sitting around because I'm on a teacher contract still. And I've had the summer off. And so we've been doing a lot of camping. I had uh, a baby in December, which is one of the reasons I left last year, because I knew that I was not going to have any time to do this uh, anymore once that happened. Thank you. And uh, Jeff and I's kids are what? Uh, 
few weeks? Ten days? Yeah, it's like ten days apart, so they're basically destined to be besties. Yeah, actually, uh, when Tyler came off the podcast, besides Tyler and Jesse, I was the only one who knew. Yes, that's true. Because I mentioned to Tyler, and he goes, I'm not supposed to tell anyone, but I have to tell you because they're due around. At the time, they had the same due date. Yeah, they had the, we had the exact same due date for a while there. And Jeff called me, and he's like, hey, uh, my wife's going to have another baby, and it's due in December. And I'm like, oh, God, I have to tell him. Because <laughs> it was the same date. So, yes, Jeff yeah. was the first to know. Well, that's fun. That... <laughs> Never mind. I won't make that joke. <laughs> I was it waiting. Was a joke about, I was waiting. It was a joke about conception happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, we were mentally high-fiving each other. <laughs> y'all were on, on Skype together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, if you do the math. Uh, yeah. Um, Tyler, when, when do you go back to school? Because my kids come back on Tuesday. Well, I go back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But kids don't come back until next week on Tuesday. Uh, okay. Well, so y'all start a week after us. You you guys yeah. all start early. Kyrie's first day is until the 29th, and I cannot believe this, but she's going to be in first grade. You're getting old, wow. Jeff. Yeah, you're really old, dude. Like, I know. cow. Well, uh, yeah, summer is dead. I had to go. As teachers officially started on Wednesday, and then kids come back on Tuesday, so summer is dead. Yeah, it's basically dead for me. I'm just wallowing in my last mm-hmm. few hours. Although I did go yeah. back and do some stuff last week because uh, I'm in a district support role, so I was training teachers a few times last week. Mm-hmm. Do you get paid for that? Uh, it's my job. I'm not actually a, uh, I'm not a classroom uh... teacher. I'm just on a teacher contract for my position. Uh, okay. Yeah, see, I have to do all that stuff, too, but I also have to teach in the class, and I also don't get paid for all that stuff. Yikes, you're getting screwed (laughs) over, man. Oh, hard. Well, unlike the both of you, I worked all summer. Sucks to suck. Sucks for you. Yeah. That's okay. I I still get a chance to play video games, watch TV. Just has to happen in the evenings. What video games have you been playing? Uh, I started recently, I started playing Horizon Forbidden West. Mm, you like it? Yeah, I I feel like I get so distracted, but no, I'm really enjoying it. I finally bought it because it was on sale. I'm still playing Live Alive, Live Alive. I can never pronounce it right. Uh, I With that game, I played all the seven regular stories, and I'm at the spe- extra story, and I guess after you finish the extra story, they bring all the stories together. Oh, that's cool. So, And then I just finished Umbrella Academy this weekend. Nice. I still need to watch the new season of that. Wasn't my favorite compared to the other seasons. That's that's pretty much what I've heard. And just, this isn't spoilers, but they end it in a way where it could end or they could add another season. Hmm. So, um, anyone else have anything else to add? No, I want to hop in and start d- talking about this new Pokemon game coming out. Okay, awesome. So, we're, let's go. We did have a Pokemon der- Presents this week. And so just some quick news before we get to the big chunk of it. Uh, In 2022, Pokemon Championship is going to happen August 18th through the 22nd in London. And for the first time ever, it's going to include Pokemon Go and Pokemon Unite. Sounds exciting. Did you guys watch the present and see like the special London Pikachu plush? No, I forgot to watch it. 
Oh, well, I want to go to the championship just to get that Pikachu in like a London outfit. I'm going to look it up because it sounds cute. Yeah. Uh, and also, I'm not going to go through everything. Stuff was added to Pokemon Go. I think the Ultra Beast will be happy. In Pokemon Cafe Remix, you can find Mewtwo. Pokemon Unite, a Buzzwole is going to be a new character. And I think they announced Tyranitar and three other characters are coming at some time. And the Pokemon Masters EX, I'm going to be honest, I blanked out because I don't really care for that game and I don't care what they add. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Jeff. That is... That's a strong yeah. condemnation from an official, well, not an official Pokemon podcast, but from a pretty big Pokemon podcast. Uh, I I don't know. I could not get into Pokemon Masters EX. I know there's people that like it. I think it's, I'm just don't like gotcha games. Fair I enough. don't like it either. Yeah. So. I never, I never played it. Uh, is this Pikachu plush the one in the bowler hat? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he looks like Cornelius Fudge. <laughs> <laughs> that's the prime minister from or the the minister of magic from harry potter for those of you who yeah. are unaware all right so let's get into some pokemon scarlet and violet news uh they announced the name of the new region it's going to be called the paldea region uh they are going to have three different stories one will include your typical battle of the eight gems and what they have announced is you don't have to battle in any specific order but what they haven't really opened up on is if the gyms are going to scale to the level of your team. Hmm. I would, I would assume they would. Yeah, but you know it's the Pokemon Company. They do things that surprise people. <laughs> That's a like, nice way of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> it's always like one step, two steps forward, one step back with them. Yeah. So, but it makes no sense if you're going to include battling the gyms in any order, like if it doesn't scale, then no, you still kind of have to do it in the correct order. Yeah. Let's just hope that it scales. Cause yeah, that's going to be a pretty big issue if it doesn't. Yeah. And they haven't announced the other two stories. So excited to see what the, what's about. I'm, I mean, this is going to be a day one purchase for me. What about you, Tyler? Oh, I'm going to pre-order it as soon as I can. Oh, yeah. I think you can, but I, I usually pre-order them the week before. Uh, if you do pre-order, you get a special Pikachu that can know fly. Ooh. Yeah, that's the main reason I'm doing it. It's like, yeah. who are we kidding? I'm going to buy it. So, yeah. might as well get I mean, that Pikachu. Yeah, this I might... pre-order... Oh, I was just going to say, I pre-order all the Pokemon games, so I'm excited. Yeah, this might be the first one I get and actually play through. Um... In, like, a long time. I guess since Let's Go Eevee, which I got, like, two years after it came out. But I got well, I got Shield or Sword or one of those, and then I played it for 30 minutes and haven't picked it back up. Oh! I mean, it's not really that great of an entry. No, it's one of the weaker ones. Like, I would play any of the DS or 3DS ones before that one. Yeah, I've been waiting for something, like, a little bit different from the standard formula. And so that's why Arceus, I wanted to get Arceus, but then I never did because I was doing other stuff. And now this, if there are like three different stories, including the original, like battle that eight trainers and you can battle them in any order, I'll definitely be interested in that. Yeah, the only thing that, I mean, of course it's Pokemon. I'm going to get a day one. It's just there's so much coming out this, uh, or this, um, uh, uh, I can't talk, fall that, fall. yeah, that, that uh, season, fall and <laughs> whatever that 
is coming out. I mean, we also have the God of War Ragnarok coming out. The Hogwarts Legacies coming out. So, yep. a ton coming out. Uh, but going on with Pokemon, they announced the new like type of battle, and it's called Terastalizing. And they turn into like this crystal thing. Uh, and if a Pokemon terrestrializes, it can change their their type. So like they they put an example there, like this one Eevee, it terrestrializes and it stays normal form. But this one Eevee terrestrializes and it's now a fire type. <laughs> I feel like when the Pokemon company decided that they wanted to start like adding all these new different like uh, elements to the battles like Gigantamax and all this stuff. Like someone just like went to like the upper management of the Pokemon company and just like put a bunch of LSD into like their water cooler up there. And cause they just started coming up with like the weirdest things to add and like, it didn't really change much. It was just weirder than it had been. Yeah. There's definitely some drugs going on at game freak. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I and I think the problem is they've been doing it with every mainline entry now that they're like, well, we have to add something. Yeah, because they started with the Mega Forms and then the Z Max moves, the Gigantamaxing, like they're they're just trying. But this one, it doesn't look like it changes their forms. So this one was pretty simple. Uh, and then the about the story it says your character will be a student at the academy. I like introduced your biology teacher, and so I wonder if one of the stories will be like going through the academy, like Pokemon Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Pokemon Harry Potter. That's what I'm thinking. So that sounds fun. Uh, and then they announced some new Pokemon. The first one they announced is Paldean Whooper, and uh, I always put the pictures down there for for josh because he doesn't ever look them up or know what i'm talking about <laughs> thank you i appreciate that Especially why does, why does the whooper not have any arms uh the original whooper doesn't have any more arms either whooper is based off of an axolotl which i don't think have arms oh well i don't know what an axolotl is so uh but what it says it says this new form takes on a brown appearance instead of its standard blue look and ditches the water to live on land because their gills have hardened from living on land, they move a bit slower. However, they can shoot poisonous liquid from their gills. Wow. So they didn't announce the type. Of course, I'm going to guess ground and poison. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. A original Whooper is either a water type or a water ground type. I know his evolved form is water ground. I can't remember if Whooper's water ground. Uh, then they announced Fido, adult. A dog-like creature with elastic qualities. When fairy-type Fido becomes excited, they puff up their bodies to appear bigger. Fido can also ferment things in its vicinity using the yeast in its breath, which can also <laughs> be helpful for cooking. <laughs> so, hold Fido, on. Fido basically looks like it has a Cinnabon on either, either side of its head. <laughs> like Princess Leia. Yeah. And since it can ferment things, does that mean, theoretically, we could use Fido... To run a like uh, bourbon bourbon still or something, like, or like a some, brewery. <laughs> yeah, make some moonshine. Yeah. Oh God, I'm making Pokemon moonshine with that guy. <laughs> Pokey shine. Uh, and then the last one announced was Satitan. It's a new ice type that has incredible attack power thanks to their immense bodies and strong defense, thanks to its thick layer of fat. I like how it goes from, like, this cute little cinnamon roll dog to, like, 
uh, a horned like murder machine. Yeah. Look at that Satitan. Even its name is awesome. Yeah, it, it looks cool. And that's the second one. Like, so I like the every new Pokemon they they have announced, but there's definitely like going meme Pokemon here because they announced Lechonk before and now Fido. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really like the Wobbler or whatever it's called, Wooper. Uh, well, he looks very similar to the original Wooper, so there's not much difference there, but. I like how we have two Pokemon. So Titan has this thick layer of fat, and then I think Lechonk, they say, it's all muscle, not fat. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, we had someone, we had a realtor at our house looking at our house and saw my pug, and she goes, he goes, oh, he looks like he's all muscle. And I said, no, he's all fat. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, that description is what I'm going to use for myself, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's what Josh and I said. Yep, we're, we're all muscle. It's the yep. old... Eric Cartman defense. I'm not fat. I'm just big boned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that is our Pokemon news. So I, I cannot wait. I don't know if they're going to announce any more news before the game comes out, but I'm here for it. I, I, a new Pokemon generation. I'm excited. I'm just excited for the new visuals. Like, yeah, like full on 3d open exploration. Like it's, it's going to be amazing. It's what I've always wanted. And Pokemon out, like, actually walking around in the wild, like in the like in the uh, uh, Pikachu and Eevee remakes that yeah. they did. Uh, it's just going to be awesome. And when they... I noticed when they were marketing uh, Arceus, they made very sure not to use the words open world. Yes. Pe- people just assumed it was open world. And but they are using the words open world with this game. Hmm. Interesting. So Arceus is more like I think people relate it to a Monster Hunter, where you just go to an area, you fight in that area, then you go back to your hub world. All right. So let's go on. So let's go to our question of the week. And last time we did ask last time we asked the question, "What is your favorite vacation you have been on?" We have a few, and we have a couple answers here from our. One from our Discord by Manhunter. He said, I think my favorite vacation was when I was 15 or 16, and we went on vacation with my aunt and uncle and younger brothers to San Diego, and we went to the San Diego Zoo in the Safari Park. Couldn't We couldn't find a herd of Tauros. <laughs> and SeaWorld and Legoland. And now I live in San Diego County, and I alternate season passes with those four big attractions down here, plus I live 15 minutes from the beach. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that must be nice. I, until you look at the cost of living in California. Yeah, true. Yeah, the cost of living in Alabama is, like, way, 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 way lower than California, but then you have to deal with humidity and just general Alabama-ness all the time, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Nebraska, so I feel like I'm kind of like the more northern variant of Alabama. <laughs> he lives 15, <laughs> He lives 15 minutes from the beach. You live 15 years from the beach. Yeah, we are the most landlocked state in the country. Yeah. In fact, I think I read a story one time that it's the most landlocked area anywhere in the world. <laughs> like, there's not a place that is as landlocked as Nebraska. I, I could be wrong on that fact, but we're definitely mm. the most landlocked in America. Uh, I will definitely say, out of all the states I've driven across, Nebraska is my least favorite. Well, Even the, the thing you got to remember about Kansas? Nebraska... 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Kansas, at least with Kansas, you're going through these small towns and everything because there's no interstate going across it. I drove across I, is it 90 or 80 that goes across I-80. I-80. And it's just nothing except, like, nothing. Well, the big thing to remember about is Nebraska gets a bad rap because most people's experience with the state is driving I-80 from one end to the other, and it's just awful. But the reason they built the interstate there is because it's our flattest, most boring part, and it was easy to construct. Mm. If you get off the interstate, we've got, like, the Sand Hills, which is a cool area. We have uh, the most waterways of any state in the country, so we have a lot of really good kayaking and whatnot, so... If you're into outdoor stuff, there's a lot to do in Nebraska off of the interstate. But, yeah, that drive is pretty brutal. And if I also remember, fun fact about Nebraska, that Nebraska has a small bit of land that's actually part of Iowa. Yes, it's called Carter Lake. But it's in Nebraska because a flood or something changed the course of the river? Yes, there was a flood in the 19th century that changed the course of the missouri river and so it ended up wrapping around this chunk of iowa and they've just decided to keep it in iowa we're like we don't want anything to do with carter lake y'all can keep it keep those cow people stuff where it belongs heck yeah forget you carter lake <laughs> all right continuing on with our question a metal droid on our twitter answer he says i have two that are very close to being tied but i'm going to have to say marco island being in a hotel on a beach, it was very nice. Nice. I have no idea where Barco Island is, but everyone's favorite vacation is being on a beach. Mine is the Minneapolis trip where you almost died. That was really entertaining for me. <laughs> yes, I think we've told this story on the show, so we won't relate or talk about it. But yeah, I did. Tyler came up when I was working in Minnesota to visit me for a long weekend, and we almost died. But we did also go see Harry Potter, part, Deathly Hollows Part 2 in theaters after almost dying. Yeah, oh, that's the true. Worst, the, the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad day for Jeff. <laughs> uh, all right. And then Kate answered us. Some, she didn't answer our question of the week, but she gave us some answers that we asked about in previous episodes. So, if you remember, during the Peak Kahuna, we asked about, do people actually name waves? And so she gave us our answer, and she said, to answer your wave question, meteorologists and folks who study ocean currents don't track specific waves, with the exception of tsunami, but they do track storms, which will generate big waves. All my friends who surf knew the time of year when each beach had the best waves. I know there's some Australian beach, which has huge waves for a couple weeks each year, and that's pretty famous with surfers. Thanks, Kate. And then, Kate is a thanks. wealth of wealth of knowledge in yes. lots of different areas. Yes. So we always relate back to her and ask her in our Discord. And she's an OG listener. I remember Kate from when I was doing the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kate has been the here since episode one. Um, and then she said to answer the Charmeleon question, because in Charmeleon's description, it called him plantigrade. She said plantigrade would mean that they walk upright on their feet. Which, she might have known that because she used to be a vet tech. Or, I think that's the phrase of what she used to be. Yeah, that's what it was. Alright, but if you want to answer some questions, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot, or you can send us an email at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. 
We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also, leave us a rating on your listening app of your choosing so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. And join our Discord. We are having a lot of discussions in the Discord recently. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. There's a, it's been fun, and Josh and I try to hop in whenever we can. I'm horrible at checking Discord, or I get really busy, then I have, I've missed like a whole conversation. Discord frightens and confuses me. <laughs> so that's why man, I haven't been in there. Old man yells at cloud. Yes. Get off my lawn. What, what do you mean it's in the cloud? <laughs> it's not even raining. <laughs> <laughs> all right. After all of that, I think we are finally ready to get into the episode. That was quite the preamble. That was quite the preamble. So, let's get on. This episode is all about Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, or in Japanese, it was called Mewtwo's Counterattack. Or as I like to call it, Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, the musical. (laughs) It is a musical. (laughs) Oh, God, it was so bad. Uh can I just say how full of themselves they are here by like just calling it the first movie? Like, yeah, well, there's definitely going to be more movies. <laughs> we'll never drop in popularity. Yeah, yeah, raking in all the cash, and now what? There's 25 movies and even a live action one. There's a oh oh, detect, you mean Detective Pikachu? Yes. Okay, yeah. Which I still have not seen. Which we still have not seen. Uh, I guess we can. We've talked about it. We plan on that being our hundredth episode special, so yes. that'll be the first time Josh sees it. Mm-hmm. All right, this episode or this movie was in theaters starting on July eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight, in Japan, and on November twelfth, nineteen ninety nine, in the United States. All right, Josh. Finally, let's get into the episode. Well, before we get into the episode. Just another second. Uh, who saw this movie in theaters? Because I did. I did. I remember it very clearly. It was right on Thanksgiving break mm-hmm. from school. And I convinced my mom to let me go. Yeah, I... I... Go ahead, Jeff. I don't think I saw it in theaters because we didn't go to lots of movies back then. But <laughs> the ne- know... The nearest theater was like 100 miles away. And no way your parents were driving that far. But my grandma, my great grandma, I believe, bought me the VHS when it came on VHS. That's nice. Yeah, I think I think I probably saw it around Thanksgiving break time as well. Uh, Tyler, my dad took uh, me and my sister, and my dad was asleep before the uh, like the pre movie like short <laughs> was over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't miss much. The the no, movie he... honestly it has this sort of like. It's sort of pretentious in a way. Like, the beginning's really good, and then it just kind of falls off. And then you got, like, these weird musical scenes, and it's just... As a kid, I loved it, especially seeing Charizard fight clone Charizard. Because, as everyone knows, I'm a huge Charizard fanboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. other than, As an adult watching it again yesterday, yikes. Yeah, I... I tend I tend to agree. But oh, another thing I noticed that I wanted to bring up before um before we got started was I remember when we did the short a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, we were talking about how great the uh the animation looked in the short, but the animation in the actual movie was was the same as it is in the TV show. It wasn't it wasn't 
it wasn't better. And I was like, this is so disappointing to watch like the crisp, really vibrant animation of the short, and then to go back to just like TV, like like four o'clock in the afternoon on WB Kids quality animation. It's because they used all their animation budget on the short, and they're like, oh crap, we still have another hour and a half long movie <laughs> still, to get through. We still have to make a movie. Yeah, it was definitely uh, af- uh, afternoon level '90s anime art yeah. style again, which is interesting because I've watched a few of the other movies, and maybe when we get to them, it it, it won't be what I think. But I th- remember like the other movies having so much better animation because they are the movies. Yeah, it's strange. But all right, are y'all ready to get into the movie? Heck yeah, let's yes. do it. Let's dive in. <clears throat> The movie begins with the great mystery of life. The narrator explains all the strange things that have happened in the pursuit of those mysteries as Mew swims through the waters and flies through the air. Its whispers echo through the air, but it seems to be communicating with something. All right, Josh, before you continue, and we talked about this before we got on, all three of us, you both watched it from Amazon. Uh, I watched it on Pokeflix. And so a couple years after the movie released, actually during the See, not very many people know this, but there's a sequel to this movie called Mewtwo Returns. Mm -hmm. I think it was a Japanese special because I don't think it's a full. It's like an hour long. We'll get to it when it it happens chronologically. But on the DVD version, they released in the international release. So United States and any place that's not Japan, they released a special uh, 10 minute prologue that was not included as part of the original movie that kind of goes into the history of where Mewtwo came from. Mm -hmm. So I want to summarize it real quickly. Just it's real interesting. So it shows researchers finding Mew DNA in the jungles of Brazil and then goes to a scientist who is trying to clone Mew. Uh, And it shows the ancient Mew cave drawing. You both went to the movie in theaters and you know, I had that card, so I had to have seen it in theaters, but you remember they gave a special promotional Pokemon card of the ancient Mew. Yes. I don't I, I don't remember that, but... So I remember having that card, so I've had to see it in theaters. I just don't remember when. Yeah, it was. so they gave out this card with the movie, and then you see Mewtwo as a baby, and he is talking with this girl who calls herself Amber 2, and she has Charmander 2, Squirtle 2, and Bulbasaur 2 with her. Uh, they begin, they become friends, but the Pokemon start fading away. Like, they're having this conversation, and it gets... And then starts... Charmander, like, looks all distraught and he's starting to fade away and it cuts to the scientists they're like we're losing charmander's heartbeat so like the clones were dying you know so they start fading away cuts to them they're freaking out and then it cuts back to mewtwo and now it says his him and amber too and then amber too starts fading away as well and then it goes back to the scientist and you find out that the scientist was trying to clone his dead daughter but the only clone that survived the experiment was mewtwo yikes that's that's dark but i like it it is really dark and there's even a scene where he's working down you know it i feel like this is a trope with movies like this you know the scientist working down in his lab and the mom is coming go you need to stop she's (laughs) she's gone well maybe he should have listened to her after we see what happens Yeah, yeah so so that was an extra 10 minutes added to the movie and I, I thought it was very interesting and yes, very dark. I'm here for it. I like it. I'm glad you. I'm glad you 
were cheap and watched it on Pokeflix instead of paying for it, yeah. like uh, Tyler and I. Yeah, Jeff, cheapskate. <laughs> it cuts to Mewtwo in a water tank with lots of cables connected to it. Mewtwo communicates through telepathy, so its mouth never moves, which is super creepy and cool. Uh, and also, the voice actor for Mewtwo is phenomenal. Like, from the very first line, you know that Mewtwo is dangerous. Yeah, I sort of feel like this voice actor could be the main protagonist on a daytime soap opera. Like, his, I won't even try to mimic it, but he just, like, he seems like the guy that's walking around in the dimly lit daytime soap opera houses, uh, wearing a suit every day for God knows what reason, uh, <laughs> and, and just stirring up drama. He's too good for this movie, really. The antagonist? Yeah, yeah, the antagonist. Okay, okay. That's like dating everyone in the soap opera. Yeah, like he's <laughs> the guy that like wrecks everything. They, uh, I definitely agree with both of you. They picked the right person for Mewtwo. I looked it up, and the voice actor's name is Jay Goed. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce that? Goed? I'd guess no. Goaty. Goaty? Whatever. I'd, I'd, per- I'd guess Goad, so... I don't know. It looks like Geodude. It does. Kind of, <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, and looking at his like filmography, this is his only big role he has ever held. That is absolutely wa- astounding to me. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was a Broadway actor before and after this movie and also small roles on television. It's crazy. He should have capitalized on that Pokemon fame. Yeah. Maybe we can get him on the show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Go. If you get him on, I want to guest star again. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. We'll be on here. Jay, can you just speak for us? Can you just say things for us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lull, me, lull me to sleep with your brilliant voice. <laughs> um, Mewtwo speaks to the self-congratulatory scientists who are all patting themselves on the back for having created a new Pokemon by cloning the most powerful Pokemon in the world, Mute. Mewtwo quickly deduces that the scientists care nothing for him, only about their scientific achievements. All right. In the Japanese version, he has a little bit of a different line. Mewtwo asks if Mew is his mother or father. And when Dr. Fuji, I guess is the scientist's name, tells him that neither yes or no would be a wrong answer. Uh, it asks if it was created by God. Whoa. And to this, Dr. Fuji replies that in this world, the only ones capable of creating life are God and humans, and Mewtwo was created through human science. I can see why they changed that. You know, usually over here in the United States, we try to keep religion out of kids' shows. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to go all biblical with uh, Pokemon here. But it would be pretty uh, It would be pretty epic if there was, like, a Pokemon Jesus. Just throwing that out there. There there is. His name is Arceus. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Pokemon Jesus. uh, Well, it's also interesting because Japanese, Japanese, Japan is not a largely Christian country. So them going that route is an interesting route. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. it, It felt to me like Dr. Fuji had a little bit of a God complex thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, don't all scientists... I mean, I don't know. At least mad scientists. Yeah, all mad scientists, kind of, you know, creating life. Uh, He decides, Mewtwo decides that they aren't worthy and literally blows up the entire lab, incinerating all the scientists. Uh, Just before being liquefied, the lead scientist says that they set out to create the world's most powerful Pokemon, 
and they succeeded. Uh, I don't actually get how this movie received a G, a G rating because the villain literally murders like a dozen people in the first, the first five minutes, and I am absolutely here for it. Uh, I love a good villain, um, and because to me they're almost always more interesting than the hero, um, and I think Mewtwo has a great origin story. Yeah, I agree. This is sort of something I wish we had in the mainline Pokemon games. It's like an actual scary villain that mm-hmm. like liquefies people that'd be that would be that would really uh, up the ante a little bit on the but, pokemon universe storytelling yeah because you know if pokemon were a real thing there would be a bunch of god-awful people out there trying to use pokemon to take over the world yeah they kind of try to do that with team rocket but it just doesn't quite have the same effect as mewtwo you know, incinerating an entire lab full of scientists in one big bang. Yeah, Team Rocket always ends up being, like, like the the comic relief of the show. Like, even though they're technically the villains, they're just there for comic relief. And to, exactly. And, and for the, the heroes, Team Ash, to, like, overcome something. But, like, it's easy to overcome incompetence. Exactly. <laughs> and I'd also like to point out that Pokemon wanted kids to see these scientists get liquefied, hence the G rating. Because watch out, kids. Mess around with science, and there's a good chance you will get absolutely wrecked. And I can say this because I was a science teacher. Mm-hmm. I was about ready to say that. I go, listen to Tyler. He knows what he's talking about. He used to teach science. Yeah, they're just trying to reinforce the lessons that Jurassic Park uh, taught five years before in 1994. Yeah, don't mess with science, or you're going to get devoured by a dinosaur. You could get blown up by a clone of an ancient Pokemon. Like, no good comes of it. Uh, And as you said, you know, the villain is way more interesting than a hero, but when your hero is Ash, anybody is going to be more interesting than that whiny brat. True. I hate Ash. (laughs) Uh, And also, Mewtwo isn't technically in the wrong. And I, I always say, a good villain is a villain who has a clear motive, and the motive makes sense. And I think Mewtwo's makes a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's always why, if we look at Disney villains, I always say that Scar is my favorite Disney villain. He got really screwed out of the throne, and like, if finding out that he wouldn't even be the next in line, even though he was the previous king's son, it would be his brother's son, his nephew. And so, you know, he goes on this rampage, killing everyone, killing the son. Like he, he definitely had a clear motive there. But if you look on the other hand, you have another Disney villain who I hate. And Maleficent, who was evil just because she wasn't invited to a birthday party. Hey, that can hurt. That's like the next level of pettiness, though. So, like, I kind of respect it. It's like you're already a rotten person, so something pretty minor happens and you go full psychotic. Um, Turns into a dragon and everything <laughs> just because just because they her the king and queen did not invite her to Aurora's birthday party. <laughs> I mean, I get that. I've been not invited to birthday parties before. Yeah, it's and the, uh, it's the, if I could turn into a dragon and you know massacre people, I might have done it. <laughs> I can't say I would do any different. Uh, Mewtwo stands atop the ruins of the lab as Giovanni lands his helicopter and offers a partnership to Mewtwo. For a time, they work together with Giovanni using Mewtwo to win battles, and Mewtwo getting the opportunity to to discover exactly what his powers are. But as many of us can relate. Mewtwo is plagued by those first existential questions that we all tend to ask ourselves when we're young. Questions like, who am I and why am I here? Uh, I love that even though Mewtwo is like the most powerful being on Earth that we've seen so far, (laughs) he's still asking those questions that like all of us begin to ask when we're like 
12. Yes, I miss the existential dread of my youth. No. I don't know about you, but I still have existential dread. Yeah, I was about to I was about to say <laughs> existential dread of my youth has now just become the existential dread of being 32. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's even worse when you're ancient like Jeff. Yeah. Excuse me, you will be 34 in a couple months and two. Yeah, but I've got a couple months. Yeah, but he doesn't have a daughter in first grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm old. Uh, also, in the Japanese version, Giovanni tells Mewtwo, so the line was a little different, he tells him that there is something even stronger than it in this world, to which Mewtwo replies, humans? And then he receives a nod of approval from Giovanni. What well, makes you wonder why he went with him in the first place. Like, he already hates humans, so then Giovanni's like, yeah, humans are stronger. And then Mewtwo's like, okay. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. That's, that's actually pretty good. Well, that's because... It, this was only in the Japanese. Um, pretty, he doesn't say anything like that in the English version. He pretty ah. much Giovanni asks him to join him. I think pretty much. If if that line had been in the uh, English version, I I would have thought he was talking about Mew, like the original. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, after a while, uh, Mewtwo grows tired of taking orders from Giovanni. Uh, once he has fully realized his powers, but he still does not know his purpose. Giovanni insists that Mewtwo's purpose is to serve humans, but Mewtwo, feeling betrayed by humans, decides to stand alone against both humans and the Pokemon who he feels have failed uh, by serving the humans. He claims the reign of Mewtwo is about to begin, and my goodness, what a great intro from this movie, for, or for this movie. Uh, I love that they spent the first ten minutes of it uh, setting up Mewtwo, and I think he's a legit, like, great villain. Uh, but the problem is that the first 10 minutes of the movie are the best 10 minutes of the movie. Uh, and then it, it kind of starts to go downhill from here. Once Ash yeah. is on the scene, it's all, yeah, it's yeah. not getting any better. Yeah, this movie does start off really strong and gives us time to know who Mewtwo is and why he's doing what he's doing. Though, really, was it smart on Giovanni's part to make him feel that and, like you know, we're, we're humans are going to control you anyway. Well, from Giovanni's perspective, like Giovanni thinks he, because he's got all these resources and he's rich and stuff. He thinks he is the most powerful. Like he thinks he's more uh, powerful okay. than Mewtwo. So like, to me, that's very in character for Giovanni to like that arrogance and stuff. It's like that human arrogance. And he gonna learn mm -hmm. that he's wrong. <laughs> Uh, and that is when uh, the uh, title card of the movie comes on. And after that, we meet up with Team Ash. Uh, Misty, Brock, and the Pokemon are all pulling their weight as Ash, as per usual, contributes absolutely nothing. Uh, some pirate-looking guy shows up and challenges Ash to a battle as, <laughs> as if Ash is so good that people are just like, some randos are just seeking him out to battle him. I was like, this is, no one is looking for a 10-year-old uh, to battle him like he's made a name for himself. Yeah, this guy was a full adult, like, I'm looking for Ash Ketchum. I mean, maybe he's prowling around town, you know, in his little pirate outfit, but like, I'm looking for some 10-year-olds to battle. And they're like, there's this annoying kid out camped in a field somewhere outside of town. You can probably go find him and challenge him. And then he like drives his minivan with the free candy thing written on the side of it and gets to work. Um, 
as they begin to battle, a pop and, in my opinion, inferior version of the theme song plays. Um, a few times during the battle, uh, the filter on the screen changes to appear as if, as if Ash is being watched through a computer screen. So I have an opposite opinion. I really like this version of the theme song. Tra- I- Trash. The original is significantly better, in my opinion. Though You're wrong, do- Jeff. I do think that this is the first time that we have heard the other verses of the song. They do go through the full theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, it was definitely nice getting 10 to 20 minutes with no Team Ash to care about. Yeah. Like, that was... It was a nice reprieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, some fresh air. Though Brock did have a line here for Ash that I enjoyed. He goes, Ash, this lunch is perfect for you. It's my lazy boy no-chew stew. <laughs> that was a good that was a good burn mm-hmm. yeah and then it says we should i i also want to say we should also know that this is revealed don fan another generation two pokemon i don't even i don't even think i noticed don fan oh it was the elephant thing that he was battling at the beginning oh that's right okay no i do because it has like the it looks like armor on it yeah cool uh squirtle defeats a machamp uh with a couple of bubbles and then Pikachu shocks the other guy's Pokemon to death, like, three at a time. Just, everyone's dead. And let's point out that one of them's a Golem, which Pikachu should not be able to damage. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that, Jeff. As soon as I saw that scene, I was like, I'm not even going to bother with the notes on that. <laughs> Jeff's got it. Very important to note. Um, Brock and Misty make a few god-awful puns, and then Team Rocket shows up to make a, a few more as they watch Team Ash from a nearby cliff. I will mention a pun I did really enjoy. Uh, it, Jesse says they should cook, and Mouth responds, thanks, but last time you cooked, you knocked out eight of my nine lives. I did like that one. That one was the only good one, and like, we were like we were like seven or eight puns deep at that point, and so that I was just kind of like, okay, at least, they, at least they gave us one good one. Yeah, what you need to know about Josh Tyler is he hates puns. Despite being an English teacher, I despise puns. I find them to be very lowbrow comedy. Yeah. I'm not a big fan either. Uh, Speaking of puns, this kind of reminds me of this. So in my office, we've been having a candy bowl, and someone brought in a little, uh, oh, what are they? Laffy Taffy, you know, that has the jokes on them. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that Laffy Taffy jokes are not as good as they used to be? I didn't even know Laffy Taffy's had jokes, Jeff. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Back in the day. That's the Laffy part. Yes, it all the taffy makes sense. The- <laughs> I never connected. I never realized that. Wow, I'm walking away a bigger person today. So back in the day, though, Laffy Taffy used to, you know, and then it would say like, you know, so and so age whatever, because they used to submit the jokes. And what I noticed about the jokes is that they don't have the name of the kid or age afterwards. So I think they're inferior because there's just a bunch of people in business suits sitting around a conference table trying to think up these jokes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's the intern they're not paying. Uh, they're like, yeah. come up with a joke for our crappy rapper. <laughs> uh, there was actually one joke we because we have a habit we'll read them to everyone and then we find out that a lot of them have the same jokes on them so they're definitely not taking new jokes wow and there was one joke i go here i'll fix the joke and we actually decided my joke was better so i added in okay so now they just need to put jeff walker age 34 (laughs) (laughs) oh man 
While Team Ash eats, the scene cuts to a mysterious figure watching um, them on a computer screen. A woman dressed like a mid-1800s Mormon asks the figure if he would like to extend the group an invitation, and he obliges. I, I chose the Mormons because I've been watching Under the Banner of Heaven, uh, which is like Andrew Garfield, who is a devout Mormon, investigating murders in the Mormon community. So, that's why I went with the Mormons. Nothing against the Mormons. Um... <laughs> Team Ash receives a holographic invitation from a Dragonite, and Brock immediately falls in love uh, with the woman's ones and zeros. This definitely gave me Star Wars vibes. They're like, Princess Leia, Luke, you are our only hope. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that they were sort of, like, doing that on purpose to, like, really work up how magical this movie was going to be. Since, you know, of course, they were expecting to do 25 more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know that after they got this hologram that Brock is going to keep that thing in his sleeping bag at night Jeffrey <laughs> I mean probably I had like four different jokes run through my head and none of them are appropriate so I'm just going to move on I was uh, going to say I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't even begin to touch on that <laughs> I mean Brock began to to touch on that. Brock was definitely <laughs> touching on it. <laughs> uh, as the Dragonite flies away, it is stopped by Team Rocket, uh, who grab an invitation of their own. I want to say, when you say stopped by Team Rocket, is Jesse stopped this thing with a frying pan? Uh, that's true. Uh, I looked it up. Dragonite is 463 pounds, and Jesse just held it in place. I guess she's ripped because she's always carrying Team Rocket on her back. Oh, it gotta be. Oh, Jeff. We're not gonna make it through this movie, I can already tell. No, this is definitely just... not. This, this is gonna be like a four-parter. We're, yeah. we're already like 50 minutes deep, and we haven't made it through the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, the figure's hands, uh, the figure's hand appears, revealing it to be Mewtwo. Uh, it whips the ocean into a huge storm, and rain begins to pour on the town while massive waves beat against the shore. Uh, Team Ash uh, runs through the rain and ends up at the ferry station uh, where dozens of other trainers wait to take the ferry to the island where the mysterious tournament will be held. So in the message, they say that all the trainers need to go to this island so that they can participate in the tournament. Uh, Officer Jenny tells the crowd that the harbor master says this could be the worst storm ever. And I love the confidence uh, that she has while saying something so hyperbolic. Uh, the other woman with her tells the crowd about the legend of the winds of water, which sounds like something from Avatar, like the uh, the blue people Avatar, not the the good Avatar, um, not the last <laughs> Airbender, uh, an ancient storm that killed all but a few Pokemon. But the tears of the surviving Pokemon revived all the lives lost in the storm. So now, so now Pokemon tears can apparently raise the dead. Uh, this seems like a strange detail, but remember this, kids. This is called a setup. We will come back to this later in the movie. Uh, they point out a picture uh, on the wall of the local Pokemon Center's nurse who has been missing. I just want to point out that if Pokemon Tears can bring back the dead, why didn't that scientist just, you know, <laughs> slap around a bunch of Pokemon and make them cry and, <laughs> and bring back his dead daughter? That would have been an interesting scene. Like, the corpse of a kid laying there is just, like, walloping this Pokemon. Like, cry! <laughs> Bring me back my daughter who is dead before you. 
a few trainers, including Ash, are determined to get to the island, but Misty quickly breaks his spirit, and he gives up until Team Rocket shows up dressed as Vikings and offers them a ride in their ship, complete with the most ridiculous accent you've ever heard. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to need a quick uh, clip of their accents. Play the one uh, where Jesse talks about the Farfic Nugan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Farfic Nugan. <laughs> we will put it right here. You want to cross, maybe? We take you, yeah? We Vikings are used to big wave. We get you to a new island faster than you can say Farfic Nugan. All right, I also want to say this scene has one of my favorite jokes that I was so mad. So, I don't know if you know this, Josh Tyler, but they remade this movie a couple years ago. Uh, I had is no it like, idea. Is it like the, the like 3D CGI movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's on Netflix right now, I think. Uh, and out of the, and then this remake, they took out this joke, which I love because Brock goes, I didn't know Vikings still existed. And Ash's response is they are mostly in Minnesota. <laughs> I, so I watched this movie twice. I watched it all the way through the first time without making like any notes. And then I just made the notes as I watched through the second time. So I didn't have to stop. Uh, to type a bunch, and I missed this joke the second time because I was typing. But this is probably like one of my favorite jokes in the whole uh, the whole movie, man. Because their their accent was Minnesota. It was a little like that. Well, and for those of you who don't know, I am a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. Mm. Just a glutton so. for punishment. <laughs> True. It will get our day someday. Yeah. I've been to a Viking festival in Minnesota too. Nice. Like, these people were really intense. They were, like, hitting each other with foam swords and stuff <laughs> while I was uh, about four giant horns deep in mead. Just laughing. Did he, chal- did he challenge anyone to a duel? You know, I, I actually do, do honestly think that I did. And I couldn't really walk or stand at this point, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's why they didn't let me do it. The mead will get you. <laughs> Beetle gets you. Especially, I mean, I had a giant, like, you drink out of a horn. So I had this big horn. I'm not even, like, Scandinavian descent or anything. I have no idea how I ended up at this Viking festival. It you was kinda, just a weird, you kinda weird look like chain a, of events. Uh, you kind of have a, the Viking look going on with, like, the, the bald head and, like, the luscious beard. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I misspoke when I said I don't have Scandinavian descent. I guess technically... Half of my family's from Denmark, but. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. I promise I haven't had any mead yet today. I I choose to believe you. Thank Um, you. A a wave bigger uh, than the one from the P. Kahuna episode uh, comes and begins to knock them about. uh, And the Vikings are revealed to be Team Rocket. Before they can say their motto, everyone is knocked overboard and Team Ash has to be saved by their Pokemon. They are saved by all of their water types uh, who swim up to the island where the tournament will be held. I, I like how you say the Vikings are revealed to be Team Rocket like no one knew this to go in. <laughs> well, it was, it was revealed to Team Ash because, I mean, Team Ash is so dumb. Like, this is our 71st episode, and they're just repeatedly tricked by Team Rocket. So, it's revealed to Team Ash that they're Team Rocket. Uh when they get to the island, Ash presents his invitation to Mewtwo's servant, who Brock recognizes as the missing Nurse Joy, although she has no idea what he's talking about since she doesn't remember anything 
uh, since before being brainwashed, and I'm honestly surprised that Brock doesn't use this to his advantage. It's probably for the best that she doesn't remember Brock after this anyway. He was like, well, I can... <laughs> Never mind. I won't make that joke. <laughs> it, uh... it was a... It was a joke about Brock, Brock roofing women, which is totally in character, but not necessarily appropriate. Uh, Mew flies towards the island uh, and just kind of floats around. Uh, Nurse Joy takes Team Ash into the Great Hall, where only three other trainers have arrived. Team Rocket is waiting outside as they look for a way in, while Mew follows behind them, unseen. Other trainers show off their way better and more powerful Pokemon. Though, did you notice that the trainer with the Pidgey called it a Pidgeotto? Yeah, I did. Okay. Also, there was one other trainer that when they were, like, jumping in the water, you know, the one trainer went on as Gyarados, the one flew on Pidgeot, Team Ash went with some Vikings. <laughs> but there was another trainer who took off on a Firo and never showed up at the island. No one is, seems to be concerned about them, though. Oh, I don't think I noticed that. So that guy is most definitely dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, just it, add that to Mewtwo's body count. <laughs> We're at, like, 15 at this point. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think there's any character in Pokemon that is going to have as high a body count as Mewtwo. All right. And then as... They're getting reveal who's brought them all there. I thought this was a good point to go into our Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? All right, our Who's That Pokemon for this week is we're going to talk about Mew. Yay. Because um, we talked about Mewtwo in a few episodes ago, so some basic information on Mew. It's number 151 in the Pokedex. It is a psychic type. It is one foot four inches tall and weighs eight point eight pounds, and is known as the new species Pokemon. They were, and not, it doesn't. Yeah, it they were doesn't. You call with that? No. All right. Mew's origin. His name. Mew may be a combination of mutant or mutation and new. It may also involve Mew, which means wonderful and exquisite in Japanese. Or not Mew. Mio. Mio means wonderful and exquisite in Japanese. Um, what is Mew based off of? Its designer, Shigeki Morimoto, stated that Mew's design was based on Mewtwo. So, which is funny. So it based what the clone was off of the clone. Its design was made simpler than Mewtwo in order to take up less space on the cartridge. You mean they designed the original based on the clone? Yeah, thank you. I... Yeah, so it was design was made up simpler than Mewtwo in order to take up less space on the cartridge. Appearance, <laughs> appearance wise, Mew's overall physical appearance appears to be based off of domestic cats. Several of Mew's features, such as short muzzle and large hind feet, are commonly found in cats. Its morphology is also vaguely similar to a gerboa, having a large hind legs and long skinny tail. Mew's earliest design in Japan's red and green resembled a vertebrate embryo featuring a large head and small body. It is believed by scientists to be the last universal common ancestor of all other Pokemon, which along with its resemblance to an embryo may be a reference to the reca recapitulation theory. Mew was soon revised and became mostly mammalian with cat-like traits while still retaining several embryonic features such as having short fine hair and small forearms. I love how when they when they go to like create this like ancient Pokemon like ancient mysterious Pokemon is basically just a flying cat. A flying cat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really uninspired design, really. 
It's pretty cute, though. I guess there's that. Like, I would let a mute fly around my house, <laughs> and my dogs would be jumping up trying to eat it. <laughs> I was going to say, my dog would definitely kill Mew. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mew's biology. Mew is a pink bipedal Pokemon with mammalian features. It has rounded, wide snout, triangular ears, and large blue eyes. It has short arms with three-fingered paws and large hind paws with oval markings on its sole. Its tail is long and thin with an ovoid tip. Its fur is so fine and thin it can only be seen under a microscope. Mew is said to have the DNA of every single Pokemon contained within its body, allowing Mew to learn and use any attack. Wow. As demonstrated by its behavior in the first and eighth Pokemon movies, it shows signs of intelligence, curiosity, shyness, playfulness, and even selflessness. Mew is incredibly adaptable and able to travel freely in the air or underwater, as seen in Pokemon Snap in the Super Smash Bros. series. It can create a green, yellow, or pink orb of energy around itself for protection, although only the pink orb is seen in the latter. Uh, according to the radio drama, The Birth of Mewtwo... So, this was a drama only in Japan. Mew was discovered by Jesse's mother, Miyamoto, who registered its cry in a Guiana forest 20 years before the events of Generation 1. Oh, so this was not Brazil. It was Guiana. Mm. So, don't they, in one of the episodes, don't they establish that Jesse's like, parents were never around? Yeah, probably, and that she was poor. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's because her mom was off trying to find this ancient Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> in Guiana, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we know why she was so concerned about that bike <laughs> early on and led to this whole mess. Uh, that's Misty who has the bike. Oh, that's right. You Man, whole thing. I need some more mead. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you, well, this isn't a video. Tyler is drinking some, some, something out of a Viking's horn. He had a horn just at his disposal. It was right here by my desk. <laughs> uh, all right, continuing on. It was worshipped for its protection by indigenous people who created a folk song in its honor and believed it appeared once a year with the rising sun. It wasn't rediscovered until 18 years after Miyamoto met Mew by sunrise on the peak of the highest mountain in a South American mountain range and fell. And fell. Wait, so did, our, so wait, so did Jesse's mom die after meeting Mew? I guess. Hmm. So Mew's so Mew's got a body count too. <laughs> now and now we know where Mewtwo's like violent streak comes from. Mew there we pushed, go. Mew pushed Jesse's mom off the mountain. Uh, reports found in Cinnabar Island's Pokemon Mansion note specific note. Let me start over. Reports found in Cinnabar Island's Pokemon Mansion note scientific expeditions that have cited Mew in Guiana, South America, the place where it was first discovered. Since Mew can make itself invisible at will, very few people have knowingly seen it, leading some scientists to declare it extinct and most to assume it to be a mirage. It will only show itself to a person who is pure of heart and has a strong desire to see it for themselves. Uh, Mew is the only known Pokemon capable of using the Z-Move Genesis Supernova. Hmm. Alright, some Pokedex entries on Mew. Red and Blue says, So rare that it is still said to be a mirage by many experts. Only a few people have seen it worldwide. Probably because he kills them all. <laughs> uh Pokemon Yellow says, When viewed through a microscope, this Pokemon's short, fine, delicate hair can be seen. 
I just like to point out that we have this very mystical Pokemon, and whoever wrote the Pokemon Yellow Pokedex is just like, it has really good hair. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to pet Mew now. Like, we're not going to talk about how no one's hardly seen it. We're just going to talk about how soft it is. <laughs> I just want to stroke Mew now. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Pokemon Stadium says a mythical Pokemon of South America, which had been thought extinct. A growing number of people have seen it recently. You just got bored and started showing itself to people. Uh, Pokemon Gold says apparently it appears only to those people who are pure of heart and have a strong desire to see it. So, uh, Pokemon. so oh, go on. I was just going to say, I mean, this is this is early spoilers because this movie's been out for almost 25 years. But, like, it shows itself to Team Rocket, like, before anybody else. True. Wow. So, yeah. but if you also think Team Rocket, I mean, they aren't, like, as evil as, like, the Team Rocket as a whole is. Yeah, but not being as evil as the whole organization doesn't mean, doesn't mean that they're pure of heart either. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not pure of heart. They've tried to kill Ash before. Multiple times. Multiple times. Um, I mean, not that I didn't Ash. wish they succeeded. Yeah, who, would anyone really be sad about that? Like, okay, so maybe that is maybe that is a noble, okay, thing to do. E even Ash's mom would be finally I can be with Professor Oak some more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Pokemon Silver says its DNA is said to contain the genetic code of all Pokemon, so it can use all kinds of techniques. Pokemon Crystal says because it can learn any move, some people begin research to see if it is the ancestor of all Pokemon. Uh, Ruby and Sapphire say Mew is said to be possessed the genetic composition of all Pokemon. It is capable of making itself invisible at will, so it entirely avoids notice, even if it approaches people. Pokemon Sword says it is very intelligent and can use an incredible variety of moves. Many believe that all other Pokemon are descendants of this one. And then Pokemon Shield says because it can learn any moves, some people begin research to see if it is the ancestor of all Pokemon. So pretty much the big thing is it's the ancestor of all Pokemon people think. Isn't Duly that, noted. Isn't that Arceus? Yeah, but this was before Arceus was okay. a thing. Okay. Well, not Sword and Shield, so. Well, no, Arceus is the god. So on day one, Arceus created Mew. Uh, okay. Okay. I guess. I don't know. Uh, so some trivia on Mew. Mew was a little known secret when Pokemon Red and Green were first released in Japan. Even Nintendo was not initially aware that Shigeki Morimoto had programmed it into the game. In an interview with Game Freak and Creatures Inc. in Nintendo Power issue 134, Shigeki Morimoto revealed that he created Mew two weeks before game development was finished. Wow. I miss Nintendo Power now. Yeah, I actually... so. I subscribe to a magazine called Nintendo Force, and it's I, I enjoy it. Okay, good to know. You can subscribe on Patreon, and it comes with a poster. All these, if you've seen all the posters around my room, that's where all my posters come from. I'm gonna have to check that out. Fill a void in my life. <laughs> yeah, and, and it doesn't come out monthly. It comes out every two months, so it's not like a ton of. Post. I think I've been subscribing since issue 10, and they're on issue 60 now. Nice. So I have a good collection of them at my disposal. 
Uh, all right, everyone, and that is our Who's That Pokemon segment on Mew. Who's That Pokemon? Back in the movie, um, Mewtwo begins to float down from, like, hundreds of feet in the air um, to finally reveal himself to the trainers, and then uh, Nurse Joy gives away the whole pl- his whole plan of taking over the world. Uh, Mewtwo skips the preamble and begins to destroy all the trainers and their Pokemon. He breaks his hold on Nurse Joy, and she wakes back up. Uh, if this weren't a kid's movie, he would have definitely just killed her. He would have been. She would have served her purpose, and then she was gone. Uh, as of now, the only thing that stands in between Mewtwo and world domination is Ash, which is kind of like if instead of sending the Avengers to fight Thanos and Wakanda, they sent <laughs> Jeff and Tyler's daughters and like my four-year-old nephew. <laughs> hey i'm gonna say my daughters would do great so yesterday we were looking at a new house and zoe got stunned by a bee right on the hand oh no yeah it was horrible so we're sitting there because we walk because the house is only two blocks from where we live now we're just trying to upgrade to a bigger house mm-hmm. and so we walk but our realtor wasn't there yet and so we were waiting outside and uh all of a sudden, Zoe starts crying, and I look, and on her hand is a bee, and I'm trying to get the bee off, but the stinger's in her. Oh, no. She's crying, but she only cried for a couple of seconds. Once the bee was gone, honestly, she probably handled this better than my six-year-old would have. Let's she, be honest, She handled Jeff. it better than I would have, too. She handled <laughs> it better than Jeff would have handled it, too. Oh, yeah, You know sure. what? That's what my wife said. <laughs> and, my, and my daughter, uh... Yeah, she could definitely take the place of the Avengers. This kid has a death grip. Does she? Like, she'll grab onto stuff. And I like, like, her favorite thing in the world is to play with power cables and things like that. (laughs) And so she'll grab them, and when I try to take them away from her, she's shockingly strong. So, I don't know. It's funny what they get into. Like, yours wants a Zoe... We spent all these money on toys, but yesterday she was entertained for like 30 minutes with a piece of paper. Yeah, my daughter's favorite toy the last week was an empty Pringles can. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Team Rocket discovers uh, Mewtwo's computer system that is cloning Pokemon. It picks up Meowth and takes one of its hair, uh, one of its hairs in order to clone it. A silhouette of Meowth pops up on the screen, and Jesse and James say, Who's that Pokemon? It's Meowth, which I thought was hilarious. Maybe my favorite joke in the whole movie. I thought that was pretty funny, too. Uh, Also, during this scene, they show the clones Mewtwo is making, which are Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise, which is kind of a callback to the prologue, which I guess the prologue came afterwards. But, you know, they created the original clones were Charmander, Bulbasaur, and um, Squirtle. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's just say the Blastoise like goes down its tube and starts leaving the pod, and it looked like that scene from Ace Ventura when yep. he was coming out of the ri- robot rhino's butt. Yep, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, Mewtwo says he's not going to spare Pokemon any more than their trainers. Pikachu disagrees uh, by saying that Ash is his friend and he loves Ash. And then Mewtwo tries to kill Pikachu, but Ash saves it. Uh, after a few more trainers sacrifice their Pokemon uh, in order to stop Mewtwo, Mewtwo calls in three of the clones he has made, a Blastoise, Charizard, and a Venusaur. Uh, they all have strange markings on them, which make them look like they got prison tattoos. <laughs> Definitely. And they have. They probably killed someone. That's how they got the tattoos. Mm-hmm. 
this scene also has Pikachu yelling at Mewtwo that he is he is his friend, and then Mewtwo responds, "You aren't a friend. You are a slave." Oh, that was deep. Yeah. That that was deep, and um, if only Ash would have released Charizard, because I'm pr- pretty sure Charizard would just be agreeing with everything Mewtwo says. He'd be like, "You know what? You're right." <laughs> yeah, and then, Charizard would have he... joined forces <laughs> with the evil clone. <laughs> Turns on Ash. The only reason Charizard fights for them now is because he was in his Pokeball the entire time, so he didn't hear everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, Mewtwo explains to the trainers that his three starters are all super clones, and everyone seems super upset about him claim, uh, cloning Pokemon, uh, which is strange because their entire society is built around animal fighting rings. Yeah, there's a lot of messed up uh, values going on in this world. <laughs> Oh. Like, it, 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 I mean, to me, I would be like, cool. That's really awesome that you clone these Pokemon. Yeah. Especially that super cool Charizard with all the cool markings on it. Like, I would straight up trade my Charizard for it. <laughs> Give me the evil, super powerful clone Charizard any day. Astro's... May... Oh. oh, I was going to say, he may be a jerk, but he'd be my jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Ash throws out his Charizard and Mewtwo burns Ash worse than any of the scientists at the beginning of the movie by pointing out that Charizard is really poorly trained. I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's no, not. he's not. Absolutely incinerates Ash with that one. Uh, everyone sends out their Pokemon to fight the, uh, the identical one on Mewtwo's team. So one of the trainers has a Blastoise, one of the trainers has a Venusaur, and then Ash has... His Charizard, uh, which and, and that just seems like an acute uh, lack of understanding of how type weaknesses work. Uh, but but whatever. Uh, Ash tells Charizard to use its speed to beat the other one, but it still gets curb stomped by Mewtwo's Charizard. To be fair, Ash's Pokemon did last the longest against its clone. True. The other ones just got absolutely just destroyed. Like one move wrecked. Yeah, my favorite was the Venusaur fight. Like the the clone Venusaur just picked up the actual Venusaur and just chucked it across the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mewtwo claims his prizes, which are all three of the losing Pokemon. He explains that he is going to use this uh, stolen Pokemon's DNA to clone them before sending out hundreds of Pokeballs to capture all the Pokemon. Which he already has. Like he obviously already has the DNA of a Charizard, Blastoise, and Venusaur because he's already created those. I uh, was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. I was like, "Wait a minute, nah." Like, like why? You, why? Do you really need more? What are you gonna do with this? Um, uh, he sends out all of those Pokeballs and begins to capture all of the Pokemon that are out. Uh, the only one that nearly escapes is Pikachu, but after a long chase, Pikachu is also captured. And the way Pikachu is captured, Pikachu begins up to run this huge spiral staircase. Um, and Ash chases after uh, after Pikachu. Uh, Pikachu falls off and begins to fall down, so Ash dives over the edge and tries to catch Pikachu. But before it can catch Pikachu, one of the balls captures uh, Pikachu. And then... Ashes lands in a pool of water. Which is uh, really unfortunate. And which is really in character for Ash, too. Uh, as the balls return, Ash dives into the open trapdoor where all the Pokeballs are going. I I will say I did really like this scene with Pikachu fleeing all the Pokeballs and Ash running after him. There was even a 
scene. And it like made no sense because there was no like repercussion to it. There was a point where Ash just trips and almost falls off and gets back up. Yeah. I think it, I think it, I think it was just to build the tension. Um and then it did get very dramatic towards the end because Pikachu's like getting tired. You can hear Pikachu panting. He's shocking all the Pokeballs and I, I I will say I did enjoy that scene. No, it was no, it was definitely a good scene because like, ever all the Pokemon get captured, all of them are gone. Um, Team Rocket uh, is watching as the silhouettes of the captured Pokemon appear on the screen. So as all the Pokeballs are going through and their DNA is being taken, uh, it'll put uh, the silhouette up. Uh, of them up on the screen. Uh, they call a Scyther an Alakazam, which I thought was really funny. Um. While all the clone Pokemon slide down the tubes into the vats of acid where uh, they wait until Mewtwo calls for them. Yeah, this is the second time that they've called the wrong Pokemon. I'm wondering if they used a different dubbing company because it was the movies and not the show. And so, like, they're like, I don't know. Maybe this sounds like a Pokemon. Nah, close enough. And then Ash comes through the tube, too, and he runs right by Team Rock. And I just love he yells out to them. I don't have time for your dumb motto today. (laughs) <laughs> uh ash chases pikachu's pokeball into the cloning machine where he unintentionally breaks it and saves pikachu which is so in character for ash just like unintentionally saving everything uh the clones begin to hatch and head back towards the arena uh just as all the captured pokemon are magically released of, uh from their pokeballs and so this is where i'm going to talk about my opinion of the movie uh, I thought the first half of the movie is really strong. Like, they set up the villain fan... Like, Mewtwo is a fantastic villain. Uh, the stakes are really clear. Like, you, they're... Basically, they're the last line of defense to, like... To, to stop Mewtwo from taking over the world. Mewtwo's trying to build, like, his Pokemon army and stuff from all the clones. But then this is the part that I'm kind of like... They... I wish they had like made the movie like 10 or 15 minutes longer because Mewtwo gets all the Pokeballs and captures them, but Ash doesn't really have to do anything. It doesn't, Ash doesn't really have to try and get them back. He just lucks out and breaks the machine and all the Pokeballs are released. So like there's, there's no like moment where Ash has to like sacrifice anything here he doesn't like have to figure his way out of it because he's on his own. He doesn't have to work with team like work with his enemies in order to stop this. It just, he just lucks out, which is kind of what happens in the show too. But like, this is a movie. You got to up the ante for the movie. I completely agree with that analysis. Like, it, it just is really poor writing at this point. Like, yes. I feel like they were trying to like stick within like a time constraint. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to make this accidentally happen. It had so much potential to be so much better. And then from this point forward, it's just all downhill with the movie. It just gets worse and worse and worse until the sweet 90s R&B credits. (laughs) Yeah, and I I agree with both of you. If you look at the runtime of the movie, I think it's 75 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. An hour, 15 minutes, which by today's standard, that's a short movie. Really short. And I think I even said, like, when we're talking at the end of this movie, I like, even adding an extra 30 minutes, because it's feel like we have a nice buildup. We learn about Mewtwo's backstory. We get why Team Ash and all the other trainers are 
how they got to the island. Mm-hmm. They were invited to the island. Were slowly, and then it's like, oh, we got to the point. We need to have a big battle. The end. Yeah, like if if they had forced Ash to work with Team Rocket to like solve this problem and save everything, that would have been perfect because Team Rocket could honestly have just been left out of this movie and it wouldn't have lost anything. Except for that awesome Viking scene. Well, true, but like they they We can't get rid of the Viking scene as yeah. I take a swig from my horn. <laughs> they they shoehorned Team Rocket in here and they served really no purpose to the overall story. Uh, if if Ash had worked with them and added like just ten or fifteen minutes to the movie, it would have solved all of that. It yeah, would have, it would have made Team Rocket a lot more consequential, and it would have forced Ash to like actually solve his problems instead of just getting lucky. Yeah, Ash it, learned nothing from this situation. Nothing at all. No character growth whatsoever. You know, I've been gone for like a year, and Ash is the exact same <laughs> as when I left this show. Uh, so um Mewtwo says he's going to spare the trainers lives which is like the exact opposite of what he said earlier yeah I think he said something along the lines of he will spare their lives but the end of the world will take them out anyway so instead of dying on the island he will die with everyone else should have just gone ahead and gotten rid of them uh, his clones show up ready to wreck everyone when Ash shows up with all the originals. So, like, for some reason there's an explosion and all the, the clones begin to walk out. And then Ash walks through the dust of the explosion, uh, followed by everyone's Pokemon behind him. Which would have been a really cool visual had he actually had to work for this moment instead of just unintentionally ending up there. He's like, whoopsie daisy, I've come to save the day. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good scene, and I did like the scene, but as you said, it didn't really have any buildup. Um, I mean, you have to hand it to Ash. He is the only one actually putting a fight to Mewtwo. True. Everybody else is kind of just standing in the corner. Yeah, they're like just standing there like, yep, the end of the world's coming. Might as well just watch this dumb kid <laughs> try to save everything. Uh, and I will say in this scene, I did like at the very back of the Pokemon all walking in, Psyduck is like bringing up the rear and he looks just so happy to be part of something. <laughs> That's how I feel most days. Just happy to be here. Uh, Ash tries to literally punch Mewtwo, uh, but Mewtwo sends him flying hundreds of feet in the air. Uh, as he is about to crash into the wall and die, probably gets splattered all over the place. Um, Mew con. Mew, who has been fo- who has kind of just been following around, and he had followed the uh, the clones out. Uh, Mew conjures a bubble uh, to catch Ash and save him. Mewtwo is not happy to see the Pokemon he was cloned from, and they begin to battle around the castle, kind of like the end of the last Harry Potter movie, except not as dumb. The movie, uh, the movie I saw after I almost died. I know this is the second Harry Potter seven part two reference that's been made today. Actually, I don't think we were recording when we made the reference earlier, just to uh, say. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Mew says a bunch of hippy-dippy stuff, and then the then the battle begins. Um, he Actually, Mew doesn't... How does Mew communicate this? I don't remember. He he talks to he talks to Mewtwo, and then Mewtwo just kind of translates. Oh, uh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, so Mew says all the hippy-dippy stuff, and then the battle begins. Uh Mewtwo decides to block all of the Pokemon's special powers uh, in order to prove just how much stronger his are, 
which is a strange choice because then they're just like forced to just do a bunch of physical attacks. Yeah, and Mew says something about so what Mew says, like the hippie dippy stuff Josh was talking about, he says something about them having the heart to fight him. Like something about heart, you know, it's all about heart. Yeah. Uh in the Japanese version, Mew actually tells Mewtwo that he is the that only the original Pokemon are real and no matter how much they fight, they will not lose. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but um as the fight begins, some super cheesy acoustic guitar song plays um, <laughs> as the clones and originals punch, kick, and headbutt each other. Uh, so while I was watching this, I use, I have an app on my phone, Shazam, and it'll just like listen to a song and tell you what the song is. And what it told me is the song is, call, is called Brother My Brother, and it's by a band called Blessed Union of Souls. <laughs> That is an interesting band name. Yeah, their their band name is as cheesy as their song is. Yeah, and they were a fairly new band at the time. And from what I can tell, they made the song for this movie because it's not on any of their like albums or anything. Uh, also, never thought I would make two Ace Ventura references in one episode, but mm-hmm. when I was looking at this, and I looked this up after I already wrote in the other Ace Ventura reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did the main theme for the Ace Ventura When Nature Calls movie, which is the second Ace Ventura reference in this episode, as I said. Wow. It's amazing how this is all pieced together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, I can't stress enough how corny this scene was. Like, literally, it's just the Pokemon slowly punching each other. Like, literally just going back and forth like a little slap fight. And this, like, horrid non... Like, the song does not match. No, not at all. The 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 atmosphere of this fight whatsoever. It's like, brother, my brother. And things like that. Like, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> I couldn't get that song out of my head all night. It was awful. Yeah, it most definitely does not match the tone of, like, the big climactic battle of the movie. Yeah. It's like something you'd hear in, like, a coffee house and, like... Portland, Oregon in like the mid 80s. It does. It definitely does. Yeah, it's definitely like got this coffee house feel to it and it's just it it really ruined the movie for me. Like I got to that point and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Why did I why do I own this? Why am I guest starring on this podcast episode? <laughs> uh Nurse Joy says uh how useless all of this violence is and that Pokemon weren't meant to fight. And if but the they writer, were. And if the writers here were trying to make some sort of moral point, they probably should not have done it in a story where the whole appeal is making cute animals fight each other. Yeah, I have the exact same thought. The whole point of Pokemon is to fight each other. Like, that's all they do. And, and then they go to, like, tr- they try to drive the point home even further by having uh, Brock and Misty come to the exact same conclusion, like... This is so wrong. This All this violence is wrong. And then you know they're going to be back next week with a new episode where they're like <laughs> trying to like destroy, like they destroy a whole town with their Pokemon or something. Yeah, they'll be like, hey, I captured you in the wild and now you're going to go in a fight pit <laughs> because I told you to. No. Like literally two days after this event. <laughs> Oh uh, well, we'll we we'll, we'll see why the, they make all this progress, they make all this growth, and then we we we're gonna see what happens at the end. So I'll, I'll bring that point back up shortly. Uh, Pikachu, who absolutely fried 
like frizzle fried like five Pokemon less than an hour ago, now decides that it's Mahatma Gandhi and refuses to fight back against its clone. Uh, Mew and Mewtwo slam into the area below and begin to blast each other with an energy burst. Ash, in a brilliant lack of self-preservation, runs in between them and catches both blasts full on. His body is turned to stone, and Mewtwo can't understand why Ash would run in between them to stop the battle. I just want to say, this is the second time that Ash has died during the anime. Is it? Yes, what was it the is. first? Yeah, no, well, the first since you've been on it. So, when he went to get Haunter, a chandelier fell on him in Pikachu, and Haunter, and Haunter ripped the souls out of Ash and Pikachu. Oh, yeah, wow. it was real weird. Ghost Ash was like palling around with Gengar and stuff. Like it yeah, was, and it was bizarre. Ghost Ash, and he messes with Misty and Brock, and he like runs down and picks up Misty. Uh, I did not see. I was yeah. And I did he, not see that episode. Yeah, that was one of my last ones, wasn't it, Jeff? Uh, a, a little bit. I think you were on for a few more, but yeah, it was towards the end of Tyler's run. Nice. Uh, Pikachu tries to defib Ash over and over, but to no avail. Uh, I actually did like this scene. It's like seeing Pikachu's pain where he keeps trying to shock Ash back to life, but it's not doing anything. Um, and as Pikachu's doing this, the arena full of originals and clones uh, watches. And here comes the payoff. We talked about the setup earlier. Here's the payoff. Uh, all the Pokemon, originals, and clones begin to cry, and their shimmering tears float to Ash and cause him to be revived. Um... Watching this as an adult is so much different because if you've never seen, uh, if you've never seen the movie, um, like, you know, like, even if you've never seen the movie as an adult and you watch it as an adult, you know, they're not going to kill off the main character. Uh, but there had to be some distraught eight year olds in 1999 just in shambles watching this scene thinking that Ash was, <laughs> was dead. Oh, yeah, this was definitely a very emotional scene. And it's one of those scenes, like, as a kid, or... I mean, it's a scene that just plays a part of my memory, so I remember it. Though, I want to make a... So, there's a new movie that came out. I mean, it, it's been, like, four or five years at this point, but it was called Pokemon I Choose You. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much went through the story of Ash's first few day, Like, the first few episodes in a movie, but they rewrote it. They did better animation and all that. Uh, new characters it doesn't involve misty and brock and all that stuff and they try to recreate the emotional part of the scene but they completely ruined it so i, I don't even remember what happens i saw it in theaters mm -hmm. um and ash dies or is close to dying and he's looking at pikachu and then it looks at pikachu in in full english pikachu goes but I always loved you. <laughs> what? It is. Yeah. If you, I think this movie's on Netflix right now. Like, look it up. If you don't watch the whole movie, that's fine. And maybe we'll review this movie eventually, Josh. Mm -hmm. But just get to that scene. It is the most random thing. I was sitting in theater. Now, um, I was actually with, at the time, I worked with kids. And so I took one of my clients there. And that's. Uh -huh. And, like, I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm just like, did that just happen? <laughs> it's another questioning your life experience. Pokemon yeah. likes to bring those out. Uh, also, there was an interview with one of the writers of the show that said, because during this scene, Misty goes, please, no. And they're like, Pikachu. And, like, it's supposed to be very emotional. One of the suggested lines that she was going to say was, my bike. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been and, amazing 
That would have just made Misty one of the most horrible people in the world. That's like a very Seinfeld-esque line. Like, that's like something that would have been uh, in Seinfeld for sure. It's like the it's like the scene where uh, uh, jo- George is uh, engaged to Susan, but Susan has like a she's <laughs> she's doing their wedding invitations and there's some sort of adhesive on the envelopes and she has a really bad allergic reaction to it uh, and dies. But but instead of like being distraught, being distraught, George is relieved. <laughs> it's like that dark, the opposite of what yeah. you think. And here, Misty is only concerned about her bike. I would have thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and honestly, I kind of see where she's coming from. Like, if this really was Ash's end, would it have been that bad? It could have solved a lot of her problems right yeah. then and there. She wouldn't yeah. have got her bike back, but she'd have been free to go on with her life and not have to deal with him anymore. <laughs> uh, Mewtwo suddenly turns lame and decides not to attack anymore since Ash sacrificed himself. Um, he takes all of his clones and flies away, and he sends all of the trainers and their Pokemon back to the ferry station on the night of the storm as he wipes their memories, which is super lame. So all of the growth about, like, violence is bad basically just sets them back to where they were at the beginning where they are fighting sending their animals to die in battle yeah they didn't learn anything yeah nothing at all um team ash has no idea how they got there but they decide not to worry about it instead worrying about getting food the storm clears and team ash runs outside where ash briefly sees mew flying through the air so i guess ash is pure of heart um but brock and misty dismiss him so I guess they are not pure of heart. Uh, And things go back to normal. (laughs) As the sun rises, Team Rocket lays on the island alone, happy to have have a happy ending for once, and the movie ends. And I just want to say that they're laying on the same island and, like, the whole castle and everything's gone. Yeah. Yep. So I guess uh, Mewtwo just built that castle himself um, with his psychic powers. Um, and that's about the end. Uh, there is a, uh, there is an after credit scene, uh, that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but before we get to the credits, or do you want to talk about the credits for a second, Tyler? Yeah, the credits was the best part of the movie other than the first (laughs) 10 minutes. Like they had some slapping 90s R&B going on. Like I was feeling it. I sat there and was like, heck yeah. And it just... (laughs) The quality of the credits far surpassed the storytelling elements of this movie. And when well, the, he- and when the when the song started playing, I was like, "Oh, they got great value, Christina Aguilera, to sing the credit <laughs> the credits music." And yep. then tell us, and then tell us who sang the credits song, Jeff. The the song in the credits is "We Are a Miracle." By Christina Aguilera. <laughs> so they got the wow. real thing. <laughs> they spent more on getting Christina Aguilera to sing the credits music than they did on the animation uh, on the whole th- on the whole movie. And for you youngins out there, like Christina Aguilera, when this movie came out, was like a huge pop star. Like, oh yeah, she she was. They definitely paid a lot of money to have her do this credit scene. After this shoddy movie, which just <laughs> makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, I all. mean, this is only two years after Titanic. That was Celine Dion. Was that Celine Dion? That Never Celine mind. Di- yeah. Jeff, but Christina Aguilera on. was huge. This was, what, 99? Yeah. yeah, this was yeah, after was This huge. was after Genie in a Bottle. 
Oh, okay. There we yeah. go. I, well, at least you knew where I was going. I just had the wrong. Yeah. I always I've made pref- a lot of always... mistakes too, Jeff. That one's unforgivable. The how could you forget the queen? <laughs> the queen Celine. Um, I always preferred Christina Aguilera to Britney Spears. By the way, I did as well. No. Um. Yeah, I don't hate this movie as much as Tyler does. It's it's just like the halfway point. Like basically, when Ash looks into the solution to all their problems, that's where I'm like, I really wish they would have added just like another ten or fifteen minutes, made him work with, uh, Team Rocket. Um, because like Mewtwo is a greater evil, uh, than Team Rocket ever has posed. So like if, if Ash is forced to work with his enemies, like to me that is far more compelling than Ash accidentally wins. Yeah. And as I said earlier, I think they rushed the ending. They needed, you know, as they needed like 30 more minutes and I think it would have done well, even 15. Mm Mm-hmm. They could have literally done anything different, and it and it probably would have been better. Yeah, like I really did not like I I did not like the second half of this movie. It had such great potential in the beginning, and then the credits were slapping, and <laughs> just in between that the the build up and and that and then that just horrid epic battle. Yeah, where they're slap fighting each other to a uh, acoustic coffee house song by a band <laughs> with a pretentious name. It's like. It just all went wrong. There's yeah. it's it's such a weird movie to me because there's such it's very there's very high levels of quality in it, but then there's very low levels of quality as well. Yeah. And and the low levels were in like they they set it up so well, but they just completely fumbled the ending. Yeah. Yep. Um after the credits there is a brief uh scene of Mewtwo returning home which is cool to see after credit scenes before they like become the norm at least in superhero movies so I thought that was kind of cool. I mean they're even going out of superhero movies now like you don't leave a theater after the credits now it seems for any movie. Yeah. Yeah. But that is uh Pokémon the first movie Mewtwo strikes back. The musical. The, musical, the, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years later. Backstreet's back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is right, so we, weird now. <laughs> we already gave our thoughts on the episode, so let's go on to the question of the week. And so the question of the week, since this was a movie that we've all seen in theaters... But I don't know if it's our first movie we've seen in theater. So I, so our question of the week is, what is the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? Um, my first one was the original Toy Story in 1995. I was five years old. The first one I remember, I want to say, was Beauty and the Beast. Nice. 1993. Yeah. Yep. I, w- I would have been four or five. Uh, Might have been 1992. Beauty and the Beast, I believe, was 94. No, no Lion, Lion King was 94. Okay, so then it would have been 93, because my first one was in 1992, and it was Aladdin. So was it Aladdin, then Beauty and the Beast, then or the Lion King? I Beauty thought it was Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah, so Little Mermaid came out in 89. I yes. think Beauty and the Beast was 91. Okay. So maybe and, that's... I, I I remember seeing it, 
but you would definitely know the release year better than me. Uh, I, I know. That's just who I am. <laughs> uh, but I know Aladdin was 1992, and I remember seeing I remember seeing the scene where the tiger jumps at the screen and just being, like, scared of that scene because it's, you know, mm-hmm. first time seeing it on a big screen. Yeah. Those Disney movies just hit different back then on the big screen because they yeah. were so revolutionary for their time, and I know this isn't a Disney podcast, but, I mean, those movies... I mean, and that was a pretty... They were good. In, yeah, that was an incredible run of movies, too. Yes, they were all just really good, really good visual effects. It, so you didn't have stuff like that back then. Yeah, the, well, all the songs were great. That's why they, I mean, as being a huge Disney fan, they call, starting with The Little Mermaid, up until about Tarzan, maybe Hunchback of Notre Dame, they call it the Disney Renaissance. I would say Mulan is better than those two as well. Agreed. Yeah, Mulan is like a top three Disney movie for me, for sure. Yeah. But with all those, maybe up to Mulan, Pocahontas gets thrown in there. I don't think Pocahontas is that great. But up until about Mulan, they call it the Disney Renaissance. But going back to Pokemon, if you want to tell us what's the first movie you remember seeing in theaters, uh, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Pokemon Snapshot, or you can send us an email at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so look us up there as well. Also, leave us a rating on your listening app of your choosing so other Pokemon fans just like yourself can find the podcast. All right. Do either of you have anything else to add before we go? I want to apologize for uh, or to Tyler for calling him the Pete, Be- the Pete Best of this podcast earlier. You're always a Ringo star to me, Tyler. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I wanted to throw out there that uh, it's been good to come back as a guest star. I'm calling myself the guest star instead There's of tons like, of fun special guest. Yeah. Come back, come back anytime you want since I make those decisions and not Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Jeff, <laughs> I'm glad that we could put all of our, uh, our our giant argument behind us from when I quit the podcast. There we go. Yes. There, I'm just it was kidding. A there wasn't a fallout. <laughs> it, it really feels like we've all grown and gotten closure. Yeah, I think it was a good wrap-up because I didn't get to do my last episode. Yeah, unlike the stupid movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Our, our conclusion and character growth is way more satisfying than than those things in the movie. <laughs> All right, so everyone, please join us next time when we will be watching Make Room for Gloom.